Hello, I'm Conor McLoon and welcome to the new podcast, You're Not On The List, where I interview and dive deep into the lives of those in the music industry. From DJs to producers and promoters to label owners, we take a look at the early life and careers of those in the music scene. My guest this week is a DJ, radio presenter and founder of the Peachy UK music label. She's played for Boiler Room, Rinse FM, Outlook Festival. She works in music tech and has been tackling underrepresentation within the music industry. It's Gabriella Hayborn. During this episode, we discuss how you prepare for presenting on radio, the right and wrong ways to go about approaching a music label, the lack of diversity within the music industry, and how important distribution is for a music label. Our guest this week is a DJ, founder of the UK Peachy music label, radio presenter, UK funky and garage enthusiast. It is Gabriella Hayborn. Gabriella, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm well. It's bank holiday weekend. The sun is out. It's probably the warmest day that we've had in like the last three to four weeks. Yeah. Um, and I, the rain um, is finally kind rain of. Rain is finally over. Yeah. Summer might be on the way. Vaccines are up. Corona's on the way down. This might be the the, the, the last little stretch yeah. before live music coming back on June 21st. Is it, are you excited for it? So. I'm very excited. Yeah. And yeah. like, I've been to a few kind of like seated events and it's just not the same dancing in your chair, like waving your arms around. Which ones have you been to? I went to the Daytimers event last Sunday. It's um, They were raising money for the COVID crisis in India. And that was really good. Seen like my friend Ruby play a set in Shoreditch. Um, last night I went to like NT's Loft where um, a few different people were playing. So yeah, a few different bits, but it's not the same as like the actual clubs being open. No it's, no, it's not entirely. Some of the events that I've seen, like, did they let you stand up and dance at the no, ones you were at? No, none have. No, right, so they tell you to sit down. Sit down, so you just have yeah. a little shuffle on your bum at the uh, table. Yeah, and, like, the bouncers, like, I do feel bad for them because their job is literally, like, to be a vibe killer. Like, they actually just have to tell you to stop enjoying yourself. Like It's a, it's a weird situation, isn't it? Because if, you, if you're sober and if you're looking at it from an outsider's perspective, if you see a video and you just think, sit down, you fucking idiots, or, like, it's not their fault, they're doing a difficult job. But at the time, yeah. if you've had a couple of drinks and they're vibing, you just think, for fuck's sake, they're ruining my fun. I know, it's not. yeah. So definitely. It's, it's it's definitely a difficult job for them. Like the, the like you said, the bouncers and the security teams at all these events yeah. having to marshal everyone. I, yeah. I, I'm not envious of what they're having to do at the moment. No, me neither. But hopefully not for much longer. No, no. Hopefully June 21st. We're not too far away now. Was it two, three, three weeks? Three weeks yeah. uh, on the recording date at the moment. Um, so I mentioned there about Peachy UK Music Label and that you've got past experience in radio presenting and obviously in DJing. But if we could take it all the way back to the start, what was sort of your first earliest memories with music? Music. It can be embarrassing, it can be interesting, it can be just as honest <laughs> as you want. Okay, well, I've always been kind of like exposed to a lot of music, but I feel like a lot of DJs, like their parents used to play them like jungle and stuff, and it, it wasn't like that for me. Um, my dad's into like quite a lot of like folk and like punk and rock and like singer songwriters and stuff, but I feel like because he would always be playing that type of stuff, it like made me always look out for like more alternative music um so like when I was growing up even though I obviously did listen to like some really bait chart stuff I'd have like a few different people that I'd kind of found as well like used to sit on LimeWire like downloading stuff and finding like slightly more alternative stuff and then I definitely had a few like yeah proper bait years like I was obsessed with Ed Sheeran and stuff um but then when I turned like 
sort of 16 there was um this club in norwich called hideout and um they used to book like those of like deep house djs and like um like i saw like bodica and close one hannah wants flavor d like predator and stuff like that um and they had like mcs there and stuff so it kind of like opened my eyes to like just the world of like electronic music and like dance music and stuff and we used to go like two or three times a week and yeah it just it just got me into like everything that i'm into now basically yeah shout out hideout so is that <laughs> because, sort of around like 2013 ish yeah. around yeah, like 2012 2013 so like sub soul um, was big on youtube and stuff like that around that time and like you said bodica and yeah. sort of those left fields left field sort of djs that were appearing on boiler room and like grabbing up big and and doing the tours like you said hannah once blown up around that time as well yeah um, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah so it was good and i think then when i moved to uni like i already knew like that i wanted to look out for the similar type of clubs so like in freshers and stuff i didn't really want to go to you know the typical like big fresher events like where people like dress up and stuff i was like always looking for the ones where they were like booking djs and stuff yeah it kind of all like spiraled when I started going out in Sheffield and like meeting the scene there because obviously it was a lot bigger than Norwich <laughs> mm. where there was just one club like there was at least a few different clubs and a few different like collectives and stuff so yeah it just kind of grew like once I once I moved to uni. And so where was that at uni that you went to? Um, Sheffield. Right Sheffield so yeah that sort of uh, we've had a couple of people on the podcast previously that have spoken about the north sort of cities and how that yeah. sort of base so Sheffield's infamous for baseline and infamous yeah. for like obviously you've got tank there you used to have niche there uh, which was a big sort of uh, uh, garage, garage and baseline uh, club yeah. back in the day like in the early 2000s that got closed down so yeah there's sort of quite a synonymous um, base sound yeah. around and that Sheffield area. Well. have to shout out Fez because Fez was like yeah they booked loads of like deep house DJs as well. Okay. I've never been to Fez. What was it like? Um, it was like really good. It was open till like seven in the morning, I'm pretty sure. Big so license. even if you'd gone somewhere else, you, you knew you could always end up at Fez and like everyone was like, that was when everyone used to shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> everyone would be shuffling and um, yeah, just again, booked like loads of really sick DJs. Like I saw um, Patrick Topping there and like Scream and stuff like that. And also um, the Tuesday Club in Sheffield book. Um, loads of DJs obviously on a Tuesday hence the name yeah um, yeah they've booked like loads of really cool people and they sort of gave me some of my first few gigs in Sheffield as well and so I was going to touch on there so that was sort of is that sort of how you got into uh, how you got into DJing from like yeah. going and seeing these events and then did you sort of just think oh this is sick I want to uh, I want to learn to do this or was there sort of something else that uh, got you in that foot in the door with DJing yeah I think um, basically while I was still in Norwich, like going to hideout, I kind of just like wanted to understand like what the DJs were actually doing. Like, cause I understood that they were like playing sick tunes, but I didn't really understand that like some of them produce and that they're like blending them together and stuff like that. So I just brought like a controller, like a Pioneer DDJSB for like 200 pound. Just used to like use it in my bedroom, like never really in front of anybody. And like obviously took it to uni with me. So like in my halls and stuff, when people found out I had it, I'd sometimes get it out at pre-drinks and stuff. And You were the resident DJ for the yeah. uh, student pre-drinks. Always yeah, a popular person is- in halls, that always <laughs> a popular person in halls getting invited to like all the different pre's. And then I can't spin some tunes here, spin some tunes. Or the least popular when, like, we'd be having like an afters in my yeah. room with the music on until <laughs> really late, but it was okay. Everyone was kind of on that vibe at uni anyway. Yeah, I think um, I put like my first mix out online, like, while I was in halls. And then someone that I actually knew from Norwich was putting on an event at the Harley in Sheffield, and he was like, Do you want to come down and play? 
and I still had obviously never used like the proper CDJ DJ equipment. So I went with my little controller, like put it next to the CDJs with my laptop. And um, I was supporting Nightwave, this um, like Glasgow based um, woman who's like a really sick DJ who I'd like been looking up to for a while. So I was proper nervous and no one was even really in there while I was playing, obviously, because it was like the first hour. But um, yeah, I think after that, like just because I'd actually had the confidence to go and do it in a in a venue I didn't mind like trying to hit up other promoters and stuff like that so yeah that was um really nice of of my friend to actually give me my first proper booking I guess and you still uh, are you still in touch with, with him at the moment yeah like if we see each other in Sheffield then obviously we say hi but I haven't been there for like a year because of lockdown but yeah yeah from that first mix and playing that first event you then sort of went forward and were putting out more mixes out on SoundCloud uh, approaching other nights and approaching other sort of brands to see if you could play at theirs what was it then that took you to the sort of next step of creating a music label so you've got Peachy UK Um, Mm -hmm. so what was it that sort of spurred that on or started that off Um, well I basically like as I was playing out in Sheffield for a little while so I, I finally like learned how to use CDJs because I got booked for a back to back with this girl Cushy and um she had a studio so we just used to hang out in her studio like going back to back and um so like she obviously got me up to scratch and um I then was kind of connecting with like other women in like Sheffield and the surrounding areas like Joe Kira and Charla Green um and a few other people but like I felt like I was never really seeing these women playing out in Sheffield like I met them at radio stations and I met them at nights and they said they were DJs but I was kind of like I'm not really seeing these like local women playing anywhere so um I basically wanted to like start a night so Peachy started as a night originally um like in Sheffield and it wasn't like set up to be like exclusively women it was just like I wanted to book the people that I wanted to see play and at the time I wasn't seeing many women play so I just wanted to book them basically so I ran my first event that was at the Harley in Sheffield as well so like (laughs) everything ties together here like the same venue I done my first set is where I did my first event and because I've been like networking with quite a lot of the DJ scene there um like lots of people like shared it on Facebook for me and stuff and like played for like cheaper rates and stuff like that like it was a proper I felt proper support when I did that and yeah so we just were doing like events for the first few years and then I actually branched it into a label not until like 2018 or 19 right so um yeah I think it was 2019 so it's quite new that it's a label whereas the um events have been going for like four years why do you think it was that the the um the people that you wanted to see weren't getting booked sort of on the other lineups that you at the events you were going to um I don't know because like they obviously they they knew them as well like they all knew that you know we all knew each other so it's kind of like I think it used to be seen as like a bit of a risk to book a woman like it just because it wasn't done as much I think people didn't yeah like they'd, if they were booked then they'd be booked like really early on or like if there was two women on the lineup they'd always be back to back with each other like people didn't seem to just want to give them a peak time slot on their own to like trust them to hold down the fort right. um obviously there was like you know more headline djs had already established themselves like barely legal madam x and flavor d who were obviously doing that fine and, and a few different people before them but i think in terms of like new women coming into the scene they just didn't seem to be given the opportunities like in the same kind of way and like not taken as seriously or people would be like oh are they doing it because like they just want to I don't know look nice or they're DJing or like people would always be like oh maybe they want to like sleep with the promoter they want to get with the DJs like it wasn't just like oh they could actually just want to like be involved in music that's mad what people have genuinely said that yeah people have literally asked me when I've had certain um 
like radio shows or bookings oh did you sleep with him for that or like how did you get that it's never like oh well done for getting that it's always like how did you get it as if i did something fucking hell that is so disrespectful and, yeah uh, no, it's bad just ridiculous that it's uh yeah, that, yeah that's fucking, like, that's mad yeah i just want to add like the sheffield scene is actually really supportive and nice i think it was just like the kind of feel of the underground music scene at the time like i don't want to say like certain people in sheffield specifically because it wasn't like that at all but it's just like you know in the dance music scene in general there just wasn't really many women being booked at that time and so if we were to sort of touch on where you were doing those nights for four years originally with peachy what were some of the uh what were some of the mad experiences or some of the things that went wrong or right at the night? It's like, what are some of the highest memories that you think that was absolutely sick? And what are some of the things that you thought, fucking hell, this is a story or an anecdote that I can, yeah. learn, that I can hold on to? Um, I don't know. I mean, before my first event, I was just like so stressed, basically. I didn't think anyone was going to come. And like we had, um, I, my, I had my friend coming up from London. He's like my best friend. And obviously I really wanted her there for like the support. And there she had like a nightmare of the train. She had to get like an eight hour coach. And um, when she finally got there, I was like just really stressed and I was like cutting out these cardboard peaches like because I wanted to have like something for people to hold up in the photos. So she just yeah, like yeah, arrived yeah. at my house and I was just there like shaking <laughs> with this cardboard peach. She was just like, Gabby, are you all right? <laughs> and I was just like, no, um, I'm not. I'm really stressed. And then like it literally filled up by like 12 and I was just like so relieved. And it was just like such a nice feeling that the first event had gone so well and like I couldn't believe that like the, the other DJs in Sheffield even wanted to come if you know what I mean like when I saw them there I was like oh like you know these DJs that I've been looking up to actually came to my yeah, event that must have been that must have been lovely love yeah love. I've experienced it firsthand and secondhand of like the first event of any new brand is yeah. very rarely like a hundred percent like filled up success. Like it's barely like you normally get barely get like fucking 20 people, 30 people through the door. So yeah, to have exactly. everyone there filled up and then to have people, like you said, that you've looked up to and appreciated there Yeah, and it, and it, and it, it went off like, and the rest of the night was smooth. Yeah, yeah, right. it was yeah. really good. Yeah, it was just really good vibes all night. And some of the other local DJs ended up jumping on in the last like sort of half hour for a big back to back as well. So it was really nice. Um, but yeah, in terms of like sort of bad stories, the one that comes to mind is actually like our last event just before lockdown. So it was um, an International Women's Day event in collaboration with Tuesday Club. I'm pretty sure it was like a week or 10 days before we went into lockdown. So we got it in just in time. And it was, um, I'd booked like Anne's and Josie Mitsu and um, Tess. And um, basically, I also do quite a lot of like sort of more commercial DJing, like in bars and stuff with like playing R&B and hip hop and stuff. And I'd had a more commercial booking like a week before. So I'd cleared all my underground music off my USB and filled it up with complete R&B and just completely forgot that I'd done that. So literally got to my back-to-back with Tess at two in the morning, like put my USB in and was just like, I literally only have to go back R&B. Oh no. So what did you do? And just ended up using her USB or did no, you try I and mix in? No, I these... got an Uber because we were doing an hour and a half. So I was like, right, I'm getting in an Uber. I got an Uber over to our hotel and like ran in and the Uber driver was like, just he felt stressed for me I could feel it he was just like what's happening and I was like I just need to get in and out of this hotel like please wait for me and um I actually only missed like 25 minutes of the set I was quite impressed like I managed to get to the hotel run in 
And then I had to carry my laptop back because um, when you like load your music onto Rekordbox, it doesn't do it straight away. It takes like, know, it, a few it? minutes. Yeah. And obviously I had to update everything on there because I'd cleared everything off. So I was like running around with my laptop, like round back in the venue of my laptop with my USB plugged in and I like, had to wait for it to all load on like behind the decks. So I had my laptop there and then suddenly it was like, okay, it's all finished. And then I did a few. few that changes. is pressure. <laughs> That is like the equivalent of like, like you said, your, your USB like corrupting or something like that. Yeah. Just lucky that you could literally get back to the set in time with all the tracks. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's mad. Was it a live stream as, as well? No, or was no, it just no, like exactly, a right? yeah. No, so okay. it was just uh, only Nobody the, saw anything. Nobody saw anything. Yeah, no one a, probably would even know. Like, I don't even know if we build it that we would go back to back. So they probably just thought I, well, I probably looked a bit crazy running through the crowd with a laptop, yeah. but other than that, I don't think... Do you reckon you've uh, Do you reckon you've learned something from that now to like have separate USBs for separate separate <laughs> sides of the uh, sides of the sides yeah, of the career? Definitely, yeah. I'm gonna have to do some like color coding USB situations. So you've been doing events for say like four years with Peachy, yeah. And then, like you said, we went into lockdown, and is that sort of what stemmed it on to sort of move it into a, a more of a label? Um, no, so it, the label was about a year before lockdown or like it was the summer before lockdown and I basically just like throughout my time like obviously I've spoken about like Norwich and then Sheffield and like I've been involved in quite a few different like scenes like it's something I love the most about like the dance music scene is kind of the community aspect and like how you connect with people like that you probably would never have spoke to if not like how I can go to any city in the UK and like some abroad cities and stuff like that and like know people through this scene and I just kind of was thinking like how can I kind of like give back and like include more of these people that I've met along my kind of journey in the scene um you know people that I maybe can't necessarily book you know so it would open up to like people in other countries or I just basically just felt like I wanted to do another another thing to give back to the scene basically um and kind of give a bit of recognition to some people that met along the way who I didn't think maybe had had like as much recognition as they deserved and so yeah I basically just one day messaged Lila my friend who used to help me with Peachy um she's just moved on to other ventures now like but she was my little like wing woman for years with Peachy and I just messaged her and I was like I want to make Peachy a label and she was just like we don't know anything about doing Doing a label like what what do you mean like we can't just run a label and I was like no we can we can we can just make a label and then I told my friend Charlotte Green who lived in Sheffield that I wanted to start one and she was like oh I've got a couple of tunes like that I'm sitting on and I was just like oh my god it's actually happening <laughs> like we've, we've got our first release and it's just been like working it out along the way really like I definitely should have done a bit more research and preparation <laughs> like Lila was probably right <laughs> but um I just kind of been learning as we go what is it then that you think, because uh, I suppose if, 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 if I was to play dumb, like to start up a label, so you sort of need, uh, like you said, you need releases and maybe yeah. sort of like a release schedule, is it you have to bring up, like build up and sort of be like, right, we're going to release, say, once a month or like once every two weeks and I need to sort of fill these slots in for this uh, release schedule. Is there sort of anything else that people might be surprised about? Like like you said there, you've learned a couple of things that you, you didn't know at the start. Like is there anything people might be surprised about, like starting up a label? I guess just like the fact that you forget that, you know, because we're just so used to kind of like passing tunes, like people just sending me tunes in my inbox and kind of like, because our scene is like a little bit below the kind of like bigger music that gets in the charts and stuff. You forget that there's like copyright and like <laughs> where, where the record label just owns the master recording and like mm. the 
songwriter still owns like the publishing rights and you kind of forget that like it's an actual official thing <laughs> like you're not just like oh yeah I'm just gonna put this song on Bandcamp and say it's my label like there's actually a lot of stuff you have to do like contracts and stuff like that and also like just understanding like which distributors to work with that was a bit of a minefield for me because there's just so so many the, the distributor basically just um allows you to like upload it to loads of different download sites um so you don't have to make an account with each individual one but there's like yeah like hundreds of distributors so it's kind of like took a lot of like speaking to my other mates in the scene and asking them like for feedback and stuff and stuff like that before you actually choose to work with one so yeah I think just so they would sort of take a cut would they so like you'd obviously have the finished tune you'd choose your distributor they would do like you said the, the legwork so mm-hmm. uploading it to all the different places Juno and Camp like obviously yeah. uploading it to Spotify so you can get streams and stuff like that and then um, like you said there you've you've had feedback from your friends so like some of them you'll think oh like what can make a bad or a good distributor I suppose is what I'm trying to ask yeah I think like it's because um obviously electronic music is like a bit more small and niche um I was just looking for one that would uh I didn't want to get lost in amongst loads of like kind of bigger music like if I was on like I don't know someone that was releasing a lot of um stuff that would end up in the charts I thought they'd just kind of like forget about my label and stuff like I wanted one that was a bit more focused on electronic and a bit more like grassroots kind of independent like um so that you know if I did need any help with anything that I'd have people on hand to speak to easily rather than just like you know a support chat or something yeah yeah Um, so I've gone for um label works which is in Bristol and obviously I think if anything started in Bristol because it's got such a good music scene there you know that it's going to be trustworthy um and a couple of other people recommended it and like they've been really quick with anything that I've struggled with they've explained things really well and it's like quite easy to use and stuff and yeah I just feel like it's got a little bit more of like a personal feel than some of the bigger ones um so yeah but it's different for everybody and definitely just yeah research different ones look at reviews and stuff just like you would if you were I don't know going out for food or something <laughs> yeah. you commit you need to do your research so yeah um, no, that's because I've, I've never really sort of had to uh, to work on it or like had any interaction with the distribution side of of music yeah. so I wasn't really aware that there, well I was aware that there were distributors but I, yeah. I wasn't aware there were so many options mm. I thought there'd only maybe sort of like be three or four big ones like yeah. you said but obviously if you go for a slightly larger one you might be like you said lost within their sort of like back catalogue type thing yeah exactly yeah and so if you can find someone that's like got a more personable level and uh, it's it's obviously better for for your label because you've got like a better working relationship with them which is uh, yeah. fantastic talking about sort of like did 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 Peachy have any sort of early influences do you think as like a knight or as a as a label yeah definitely I think um that I was it's kind of evolved with my own music taste <laughs> um so like I used to play like a lot of Dove Step and 140 and Grime but I also really really love UK Funky so it was kind of like I always knew that I wanted to stay within those genres but that we wouldn't be like exclusive to those genres either just because I think it's important to remain like open-minded and kind of allow it to grow and adapt like as I've grown and adapted so yeah it was kind of just like a natural transition and I think naturally like the music that I'm now looking to power on my label will will slightly evolve with that as well Approaching a music label to get your music signed can be a daunting task and there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to go about it. I spoke to Gabriella about what experiences she's had from people approaching her. Talking about like putting that music on, on your labels, how would you say or how have you experienced in the past people sort of approaching you as a label? 
Like, so rather than you going to somebody and saying, oh, we really like your production here, or if you got, we really, really like your sound, we'd love to put yeah. something out from yourself on the label. Have you experienced it where people have approached you to put yeah. out music on your label? What sort of the, uh, the without naming names, what's the, the good things that people have done in the positive way and the, the correct way that people have done? And maybe yeah. what's some of the approaches that you've had where you thought, ah, oh, this is, might not be the uh, best way to get your music out or get my attention? Yeah, no, definitely. There's um, the people who just like message on Instagram and it's just like there's an email in my bio and there's an email in the peachy bio so it's just like why are you just like DMing because it sits in your request for ages anyway and sometimes people will DM um, and it's a we transfer link so it's like by the time you've actually checked the request it's expired yeah so if, unless I'm literally like you know just chilling when I see it and I'm like hey this is expired the the most likely thing is I'm probably out or like at work or something and I'm just like oh I'll I'll remember to ask them for that later and then you never remember so it's like Mm. I just feel like they've already shot themselves in the foot because you know they didn't really get in touch in the best way and then also I can't even listen to their stuff anymore also (laughs) I wouldn't be downloading a WeTransfer link from a stranger on the internet like it could be be fucking anything like you're not just like yeah I've never even thought of it like that that's actually true you definitely should think that that (laughs) that you could literally be anything to take hold of your computer or a virus or whatnot malware and they're going yeah check out my new tune check out my new mix and then uh yeah we transfer yeah, i would true. say it's not the yeah. one for a... are you speaking from experience here is this your no do you know what i wish i was popular enough to get people going listen to my mix or listen to my uh, music but um alas no i haven't had that issue but you know just uh yeah. internet internet safety 101 don't download links from strangers but um but okay so that's so they've, so they've sent sort of unsolicited messages uh, yeah. where you're just like that and what's the what's the right way about sort of to go around it so like i think giving a little intro about yourself or what you've been doing or like why are you actually reaching out to me or the label because sometimes it can feel like someone's just made a track and they're just like spamming loads of labels trying to get a release where it's like it's like I want to know why you're sending it to me like and what what why you like I don't know how you discovered peachy or something like um so yeah definitely an email a bit about yourself um and then like a a link that does not expire yeah (laughs) basically um so like a SoundCloud private link or Dropbox and stuff. And also it does annoy me when people send stuff that they've already posted on their SoundCloud because it's like, well, now loads of people have already heard it and like we haven't got the fun of promoting it and releasing it together, which is one thing that I really love like planning with, with the people that we release is like when it's going to get its first radio play and when it's, you know, when we're going to start posting about it on socials and stuff. So I think if you're really serious about wanting to get a release, you shouldn't play it to anybody yet because you know or obviously your mates and stuff or like send it to a few djs but i don't think you should just have it out on your soundcloud because it kind of like loses its exclusivity so the label's less likely to be interested in my opinion no yeah that's that's definitely a good point yeah exclusivities like you said and like like you said they're like having the building the rapport with an artist obviously if they're going out on your label you do want to and you do think it's good enough, you're going to want to build a relationship with them, aren't you? It's not just going to be yeah. like, a, there's a music rights you later, but I never speak to you again. You yeah. want to have that, uh, you want to have that personal relationship with them. So like yeah, you said, they're already yeah. shooting themselves in the foot if they're just, just spamming it to everyone. And you can sort of tell that that's not really a personal message to you. Yeah. Um, talking about when well, we were talking about releases there, your um, Peachy Sounds free download series. Yeah. One thing I wanted to speak about is, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure. Maybe all of the listeners will be entirely sure what mm-hmm. 
what classifies, what makes you put something out as a free download as opposed to putting it out as a paid track on the label? So um, for our proper like releases that are like paid releases, it will usually be like a two or three track EP. So it's kind of like a project that the artist has worked on specifically for us or like something they've made in their own time and approached us with or maybe an artist that I've asked them to to work on it for. Um, and yeah, so it will be like a, a number of tracks on an EP. And um, I think the free download is a good opportunity for someone who's just got like one track, like it could even just be their first track or it could just be something that's got like a sample in it, which they technically can't sell because they don't own the rights to or um, like a remix. Like I love a cheesy R&B remix, so <laughs> um, stuff like that. And um I think it's just like a good opportunity for someone who might be like a bit nervous about doing like a full release, but they kind of want to like experiment with putting something out. And also just like loads of producers have like tons of stuff that they're just sitting on. Like I would love to actually just look through a few different producers like folders because I bet there's gold in there that they just don't think is good enough for a proper release. But actually like it's probably sick because people are quite self-critical and it kind of could just go out as like a free download so it's kind of a number of things I think it's like a good entry into like releasing music and it's also good for like if you're sitting on something that's a remix that you can't release or there's something you wouldn't consider putting out um as one of your like yeah full releases radio is the first introduction to music for almost everybody so hosting a radio show and presenting can be a scary opportunity for some people I spoke to Gabriella about her first introduction into radio and some of the do's and don'ts of broadcasting. Uh, one thing I was going to mention is that a lot of the people's first experience with music is uh, the radio. A lot of yeah. people's first experience is listening to the radio when they're younger. Radio 1, uh, Vibe FM, I think it was where, where I grew up like in Colchester and Essex. That was quite a big one. Yeah. Um, and you have experience as a radio presenter. So yeah. what was... Uh, what what was it about radio presenting that sort of appealed to you or what was it was it just did it go hand in hand with when you were DJing or was there something else that you sort of wanted to get on the airwaves for yeah so when I was in um Sheffield like everything started in Sheffield that's why all the stories go back to there they had um this really nice community radio station called UK Mondo and um basically the guys were really nice and just gave me a show on there when I was literally still a very terrible DJ <laughs> like I'd only just started using CDJs there was a lot of clanging and I was too scared to talk on the mic but because I had that show each month it kind of gave me like a goal like each time I did a bad show I'd be like okay next month it needs to be sick sort of thing and I think that really helped me improve um and kind of gave me a bit more confidence because when I started listening to some back and I was like actually that's all right it was like okay I'm, I'm making progress and I'm getting somewhere and I think like the confidence to start speaking on the mic and introducing the music I was playing kind of stemmed from that. Um, and I got asked to do like a guest mix for Marcus Nasty um, on Rinse FM. And obviously I'd been listening to Rinse FM anyway and like just going down there and actually visiting the station. And like, I mean, KTB was like recording a track in the other room and stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I want to be a part of this. Like I started like really thinking about, you know, becoming a bit more of like a radio DJ rather than just turning up and playing music for two hours and going home. I'd be like, okay, what can I say that's interesting about this track and who can I introduce now and who can I have on for a guest mix and stuff? And 
I think when I then ended up moving down to London, I knew that I wanted to like focus on, yeah, the more sort of radio DJ side of stuff. So um, I got a slot on like pyro radio um, and yeah, had some cool guests on there. And then I've had some other radio experience as well. And yeah, it's good. I like it. Were you nervous? Like obviously, I say were you nervous? Most most people are nervous if they do public sort of speaking for the first time. Yeah. Right. Um, how do how do you sort of uh, how did you improve or how did you become less nervous um, talking on the radio? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think. Um, after one of my first shows that I spoke on, my best friend was like, Gabby, you sound bored. Like you literally sound like you're hating your life because I was so nervous about like showing any kind of like emotion in my voice because I just wanted to come across as like chilled, <laughs> cool. But actually it just, I was just like, yeah. Just came across bored. <laughs> like, hi, it's Gabby. Like, blah, blah, blah. So, um. I kind of like really took that on board and I was like, actually, yeah, like if I was listening to the radio, I'd want someone to be like excited about the music and like chatting and stuff. And yeah, I think um, I got given like a show on a FM station in London um, last August and I had like a sort of nine month stint on there. Um, and they had like a proper studio and mics and stuff. And I think that really, I was like, okay, this is actually my opportunity to try and, you know, properly be a chatty radio person. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether I've got really like, yeah, any tips for overcoming it, but I think it's better to actually just, yeah, go for it rather than do it half-heartedly. Like I was kind of doing it, but too nervous about committing to it, if you know what I yeah. mean. Whereas I was like, I've actually just got to commit. I'll get over the cringiness and <laughs> just, yeah, just have a go. That's better than my, I was, a, I did a, a bi-weekly radio show at Union yeah. in Bournemouth. And oh, I think really? for the first two shows of that, it was me and two other guys and I was just drunk. Just, that was how, <laughs> that was, that was how I got, uh, got over the, the nerves of the fear for the first three shows was just to be drunk yeah. uh, on there. Uh, I don't think I can get in trouble for that now, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that as a, uh, as a no. uh, as a tool to get over confidence because you just end up spouting shit yeah, and you listen yeah. back and think oh god for god's sake <laughs> but yeah that was mine uh, i was drunk for that um if you had sort of what were the highs and lows experiences that you had while uh whilst working on radio like what are some of the the things that you've learned while being on there that that because if you're not if you're a dj or if you're a producer like you said you've uh there's, you can you can sort of technically in a way be a, a DJ and a producer and artist without any personality like if you're just putting tracks out online or yeah. if you're putting out stuff you don't really have to have the other side of that of that personality mm. and that transference of energy when you're talking and you yeah. have to have a bit something a bit something about you because um, yeah I've definitely listened to like there's a couple of inch shows where I've listened to DJs or artists and I thought Jesus Christ like you're not what I thought you would be like for yeah. the type of music you make or for yeah, the type yeah, of stuff yeah. you produce like um for good and for bad um yeah. but sort of what are some of the things that you like learned from from being a, a DJ um presenter whilst also like DJing and also like running a label and, and doing the music pieces yeah um I think like just kind of you've just got to like it's quite a weird time at the moment because um, everything's obviously moving a bit more like online, like Instagram DJs, TikTok DJs. Um, and I think you can kind of either be like a bit sour about it or you can just get on board with it. And I think as much as like whether I agree with it or not, it is a bit more about having a personality for radio DJ. Definitely if you're a producer of laser stick music, no one really cares <laughs> what you're actually like. Like burial is huge and no one even saw a picture of his face for like years. Mm. Um, whereas like, I think with the radio DJ, you do have to have a bit more personality and like a bit more to say. Um, like people want to kind of know what to expect from your shows each week. So you've got to kind of talk about similar things. And 
similar themes and stuff. So I think it was just kind of like deciding like which guests that I actually thought would kind of fit with um, that I'd have like gel with on air. So it wasn't just like quite a dry interview and stuff. And that meant actually having like some people that I that were friends as for the first few shows and stuff. So yeah, this is like the FM radio station. I had um, like Clara Bell, a um, she's from Birmingham, but she's based in Bristol. She came on for like my first ever interview and guest mix. And I think that really helped me to just have that confidence. And yeah, I think I learned to kind of stick with the people that I know because it's going to, it's going to go smoother. Whereas if you've got someone you've not spoke to very much, you're going to be a bit more like, intimidated for the first few shows so I definitely definitely learned to kind of like yeah keep my like the people I knew close yeah (laughs) basically um and then everything kind of falls naturally after that because you've done it so many times when you take a look at most event lineups and festival lineups there's a distinct lack of diversity across the board yet when this is raised not everybody is quick to get behind change I spoke to Gabriella about underrepresentation within the music scene. But yeah, in terms of like lows and stuff, um, I have recently like had my show sort of come to an end um, due to like posting something on my personal Instagram story, which like annoyed a DJ and made them call my radio station to complain about me, which obviously is um, a big low, to be honest. Um, So yeah um I mean there was a I think there was a number of reasons that the show came to an end but it's a shame because I I really liked it and I enjoyed like planning it each month and having loads of guests down and stuff um so that was definitely a bit of a knockback because it's kind of like I I didn't feel as supported as I have done in other radio stations and circles just to clarify there because um that might be taken the wrong way or might be ambiguous when you say posting something on your personal story that a DJ didn't uh agree with can you give any more information without naming names about what that is because that 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 could be taken the wrong way yeah yeah yeah. i didn't post something about them obviously like bitching about them or (laughs) um it was just like i shared um a lineup that was like predominantly male djs as in like basically all of them were male except like two and just put like why is there no women playing on here like it's quite a normal thing if anyone follows me on instagram they know that i'm quite vocal about this sort of stuff on my story all the time and the event was raising money for mental health. So obviously I really didn't want to take away from that because that's amazing. And I think a lot of money was raised and that's really, really good. But I don't think you should choose to kind of just fight one battle at a time with your, with the scene and with lineups. Like you can do everything, like we can do anything we want with our lineups. So why not raise money for mental health and have a kind of balanced gender lineup? Um, and I mean, it's annoying because gender is only one of the first, like, you know, there's so many other problems with diversity and lineups that need to be vocalized about. So it's kind of like, if I can't even talk on my personal Instagram story about gender inequality without like being kind of axed from my show, obviously it was just a contributing factor. It wasn't the sole factor, but the fact that it even was a reason is is problematic like makes me feel for all the people um that we're not even talking about yet that are misrepresented as well um so yeah it's not it doesn't really bode well um and it did definitely knock my confidence a bit and yeah didn't feel very like supported yeah no it is a uh, 
it is a bit of a piss take, isn't it? Like you're, like you said, you're, um, you're speaking about underrepresentation there, um, which is something that is a, still an issue in in the music scene. Well, yeah, lots of different industries, but specifically the music scene, uh, yeah. underrepresentation of lineups and like especially certain festival lineups when you look mm. at them and you take out all of the the male or identifying as male acts, and then you're left with yeah. uh, everyone else, and it's normally very minimal. Um, yeah. Do you sort of, is it the first time that something like this has happened to you? That this re- repercussion is obviously quite a unique one but is it sort of the first time that someone has sort of like tried to argue back about it rather than just putting their hands up and be like actually you know what yeah we have sort of uh, missed the ball here with representation of everyone yeah no I, d- I don't think anyone ever really just puts their hands up there was one um event recently which got called out and they dealt with it really really well like they just put a comment up saying uh, i can't remember who it was i wish i could shout them out but they just put a comment up saying like look we put our hands up we realize that we've messed up here and we'll do what we can and if anyone can please like come forward with like mixes and stuff like we really want to work on this and include more people next time and that's just so like respectable and really mature and yeah i just it made me like you know, I followed the event, I followed all the promoters. I was like, this is really sound. I really want to stay in touch with what these people are doing now because like there's a space for me there. Whereas like when you feel like people are quite defensive and like argue back, like Facebook groups are the worst. Like I don't even go in them anymore, but there's so many Facebook groups where like you'll put like one little jokey comment, like, oh, like nice to see lots of like female representation on here and literally they just launch like (laughs) people just launch on it like arguing back defending and it's just like you're not playing at the event either so like why are you so angry about it like yeah I don't know so it's it's quite a I feel like it's a bit of an what do you call it an uphill battle or something yeah being argued about it and I think a lot of my friends are like really struggling at the moment like I've got one friend who's like thinking of giving up 140 altogether because she feels quite unsupported by the scene and another one who just is constantly getting like little comments about yeah her DJing ability or like her motives and stuff and you know, the more you talk to people about it, the more you realise it's still quite a prolific thing. And that's just with gender. Like, that's the point I want to make is like, that's just one aspect of the misrepresentation. So if we can't even have open conversations about that, then there's not not any hope for, you know, I hope there's hope, but it feels to me at the moment, like there's not that much hope to talk about other issues of representation. Sort of sexuality and everything else that will be underrepresented yeah, or like exactly. mis- misrepresented there as well. Do you think it's... um? Do you think it's just to do with sort of the the bass music scene or do you think it's uh do you think it's universal like sort of across the board? I think it's um across the whole music industry because obviously like I work in um music publishing as well in the day and we um we know that there's quite a lot like not that many like female songwriters and producers and stuff like that and even like promoters there's not that many like promoters either and things like that so I think it is kind of across the board um I think it's just uh, exaggerated in certain scenes like I think drum and bass and house have done quite a good job of you know actively supporting and including more women but I I haven't seen it like in other in other genres as much yet what do you think people could do to improve to sort of if and it might sound like a straightforward or a stupid question but um like there would be some people that might actually sit there and will be listening to this and think, well, I do really want to help in, like be more inclusive within the scene. I do really want to break down sort of some of the barriers that have yeah. just, just really realistically in like sort of the last five years started to start yeah. to come down. Like what, what would you think people could do to, to be more inclusive or to, to help um, make it sort of a more level playing field and just make sure there's more equality in the scene? Um, I think just actually being open to having the conversation would be a good start. <laughs> 
Um, and I think I often get when stuff like this happens, like when I did get pulled off the station, lots of people shared my story about it, but not that many people um, like spoke to the promoter that complained about me or the venue or the station. So I had like loads of guys in my DMs or like sharing the thing like, oh my gosh, like this is awful. Like this is so bad. And I really appreciate them reaching out, but like, that's not really enough. Like I'm not the one you need to talk to about it. <laughs> like if you think it's bad, you need to talk to the other people. So I think it's kind of like other people actually um, having the conversation for us as well, because, you know, I, like, I, I even like feel like it's annoying to even be talking about it on this podcast right now because if you want us to shut up about it <laughs> you need to start talking about it basically so that so that stuff actually changes you can't ever control your audience you can only react to them so when platforms like twitch and tiktok are delivering a massive reach artists and djs need to react we spoke about how the music industry are using these new platforms Lockdown imp- impacted the music scene in a lot of ways, and some people adapted to the changes, some people didn't. Uh, it's absolutely fine if they did, and it's absolutely fine if they didn't. One way a lot of people seem to adapt was through Twitch streaming, Instagram mm-hmm. live streaming, like you said, even taking little 60 second clips of mashup mixes they're doing, putting that on TikTok, putting that on their Instagram reels and stuff like that, and sort of utilizing the new way that social media is allowing people to access music and allowing people to see new music. As somebody that has done Twitch streaming and as someone that has done Instagram live streaming and I've seen uh, your videos of like back-to-backs that you do and like putting up the, like the clips of stuff going back to back with DJs, how easy was it for you to change over or how easy was it for you to sort of try that? Like obviously you've been doing DJing on the radio and DJing in clubs and stuff like that, but to suddenly have a camera like in front of you, was it was it all all right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit weird. And I think um, like DJing, when you're playing out like live, obviously you've got a crowd there so you can like judge their reaction and kind of like try different tunes because like maybe they really react well to one tune. So you're like, okay, I'll play something a bit more similar and stuff. Whereas like when you're literally just like doing it at home, (laughs) it's kind of weird. Um, So I think like it's nice if people do get involved in like the the live chats and stuff because it feels a bit more like something's happening. Like (laughs) people are like, oh, give me a shout out or can you play this or something? And I think that's really nice. But generally adapting to it was was quite weird. Like just because there's some people that are doing it so well already, like (laughs) that some people's home setup is mad and they've got all the equipment and like lights and stuff. And I just look at my little setup and I was obviously back at my parents for lockdown and I was just thinking like yeah this is not a vibe like (laughs) this does not compare but it's kind of you've got to get over that and just think like at the end of the day like people that want to listen to the music you just need to get it out there somehow and even if it's a bit makeshift at first like you'll get used to it and I think um when I then came back to London like in the second lockdown um I was in a support bubble with Franks who's like one of my friends who's a DJ she lives on her own so I was like let's bubble up together and do some streams. So, um, yeah, we were doing like weekly streams and I think that really kept me sane during that last bit of lockdown because we had something to look forward to. And yeah, it was just fun really. And people started tuning in each week. So yeah, that was really fun. Like, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I bought, um, I bought, uh, decks during the last lockdown and bought a little ring light and, uh, and have been myself like trying to like don't know just push myself over the the thing of like setting up a fucking tiktok account to uh to, to post not no, i mean like, i work obviously in social media day in day out anyway so those yeah. i haven't really got this the the perceived stigma that people had around tiktok that yeah. i feel like which is actually over the last 
six months especially has come down further and further the people used to slag tiktok off and and say like oh this is that or it's just for kids or it's whatever whatever but now you see more and more people using it and especially more and more artists going like oh i've just made a tiktok account because all you can do is react to the times you can't control the audience you can't really control where the audience goes you just have to react and evolve with where they do go so um so uh yeah i can i can fully appreciate you uh saying about like having like your setup there and thinking oh i'm not sure if it looks as good as what everyone else does but to be fair, the other side of the way is that like there's so many people that have all the gear and no idea and yeah. we'll get the best camera and the best lighting and best everything. And That's then you look true. and you go, oh, all you're doing is, is mixing literally like, like you're, like I don't want to slag off anyone's mixing no. or, or anything like that. And everyone has their own no, styles, no. but there are a lot of people that have, yeah, all the gear and no idea. Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. feel. Um, my, um, so, yeah. my friend um, DJ Aiden was actually just saying yesterday, like, when we were like I don't know when Instagram came out but probably when we were like 18 or something like 30 year olds would be like oh Instagram's so rubbish I'm never gonna get it like blah 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 but now everyone's on there so maybe that's what we should be like about TikTok like as much as I don't know whether I'll be taking part in any like dance trends anytime soon um (laughs) you still have to like go with the like kind of times and like the younger generation and stuff because yeah don't want to get set in our ways like moody old people yeah it's, we're not old we're definitely no, not old yet someone said this yeah. on the podcast the other day they were like 33 and I was like you can't call yourself old that's no, not old at all <laughs> that'd be ridiculous um yeah I don't like yeah I don't think I'm going to be busting out any uh, shuffling moves or doing no. any dance trends to the beings <laughs> but as a platform and as a, if I was to just be solely um technological the reach you can get on TikTok in yeah. comparison to Instagram and in comparison to Facebook and stuff like that because it's still technically in its infancy yeah. at the moment before they're forcing you to do sponsor posts and before mm. they're oh, sponsoring you to do that it's it's yeah it's absolutely a fantastic platform probably yeah. to utilize and um get Definitely. get your stuff out there really yeah. what do you class as a um what do you class as a win nowadays gabriella um yeah it's quite a hard question i think like i think it's definitely changed um even like since lockdown um i think like coming away from london for a bit and like not actually being around the scene kind of made me um change my kind of I don't know I just sat down and thought like what do I actually want to be doing um because I think when you're kind of just going about your daily life and like living in it it's quite hard to sometimes like you just kind of go you just kind of do what you've been doing whereas I think lockdown gave me the chance to be like what do I actually want to be doing so I think a win now is just like I love connecting with like new people in the music scene and like obviously I love like putting stuff out on my label and like I don't think I really class, I, I don't think I um, kind of base my um, success on like what I used to. So I used to be like, oh my gosh, like that person's just been booked for that and I haven't been booked for that. Like, why haven't I? And like kind of struggle with comparison culture. Whereas I think now it's like important to appreciate just like anyone who's asked me to come on their radio show, anyone who even just wants to hear what I'm doing or like, you know, is interested in like, anything that I'm putting out um I just see that as a win because I think it's nice to remember that like this did all like the whole dance music stemmed from like a community and a scene like that's kind of yeah just everyone looking out for each other and I think it can kind of get a bit um lost in like the competitiveness and the comparison and stuff so I think yeah a win for me now is just like anybody that actually yeah (laughs) takes an interest is is a bonus um and just appreciate like the opportunities that you have without trying to like yeah compare yourself 
There is that sounds like a fantastic way to uh, to end uh, to end the podcast. That's a very optimistic and very positive and a nice way, nice, uh, absolutely nice way to finish it. So, thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for jumping on the episode, Gabriella. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've told you once, told you twice. You know what I'm on the list. All right, all right.